and here we are. So this is um, the latest um, podcast for um, the Discover Plus channel, which is part of um, Disability Corbin and the Isles of Silly. And it's um, it's kind of nearly the end of July 2023, 2023. And today I'm talking to... You have the pleasure of talking to Trevor Palmer. And uh, I'm, um, I'm sitting in, a, in my front room here um, surrounded by plants and and uh, feeling a bit jaded today actually because um, I'm, for my sins I'm, I'm, I'm part of a team that runs an organisation called Responsible Assistance and Responsible Assistance supports uh, disabled people in difficult situations throughout the world and um, we every year we have a big annual fundraising event or a fundraising event of one type or another and last year we had a um like a summer summer fete and it was a cricket match and uh, we had community stalls and we had all sorts of things going on bouncy castle our restaurant uh, bar the clubhouse and all their facilities barbecues and it was really well attended it was a hot hot day and it was fantastic and uh, and we're going to re be repeating it this year because we, we learned such a lot from that. So we, we've invested quite heavily to make it, to promote it. Uh, and so we're expecting, or we were expecting thousands of people. But um, because of serious rain and winds and things forecast for Saturday and Sunday, and the event is on Sunday, uh, about 10 minutes ago, the cricket club called me and uh, said, we're going to have to cancel it. And I'm in a quandary because we sold thousands of raffle tickets. We have the draw there. We've got community stands, organisations from local community groups who are going to have little pitches there. We're expecting quite a few people. I've been notifying the world and his the next world among social media. So I'm now thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do about this? So um, yeah, that's, um, uh, you've got, so you've got the pleasure of talking to me sort of like with a head full of uh, all sorts of thoughts going on. So, um, but anyway, that's, that's um, a fundraising thing for responsible assistance. And what we're fundraising for actually at the moment is to sink a solar power borehole in the Nogulu, region of Kenny County in Kibwezi, Kenya. And um, Responsible Assistance has been um, doing some, um, um, have some involvements in Kenya since the year 2015, when um, um, Vaughan Tenby, who actually is involved with Disability Cornwall, who is also involved with uh, Responsible Assistance, is one of the trustees, um, himself and um, uh, Katie Johnson, who's the daughter of the CEO of, uh, of Disability Cornwall, they travelled to Kenya uh, on a voluntary basis to actually go out there because we'd heard all sorts of news and horror stories about things going on in particular regions. And they went over there to investigate and just to um, get to know the people, get to know how they're living, um, and link up with um, local disabled people's organizations. And they had a fantastic time. 
And they actually, um, when they came back, they made this incredible little film, you know, and it's actually on the Response Able Assistance website. And I think that's www.responseableassistance.org. And, um, and if anybody's got some, a few moments or a bit of time to watch something really interesting, um, that tells you the story about our, our, our initial contact with Kenya. And since then, um, contact has been made with uh, Dr. Cecilia Nyagi, who's been, uh, who, who, if you like, chaperoned them around, uh, around Kenya and to, to introduce to disabled people's organizations, who's um, has since become um, the project coordinator of a fantastic initiative we set up in 2019 called FERSHA. FERSHA means opportunity in Swahili. And in, in Kenya, um, especially in the rural areas, um, there's a lot of, there's some really funny uh, cultures because what you've got to remember, the areas where we work, uh, they're very poor people, uh, quite illiterate and um, not quite illiterate. There's lots of people. The literacy levels are a lot lower than what you'd expect sort of like in other areas of the world. And um, there's a lot of stigmas. And there's some really weird and horrible cultural activities. Like if you're a man and your wife or partner or lady gives birth to a child with a disability, you disappear, you go, you run away because it's a blow to your dignity that you fathered a disabled child. Um, so consequently, there's a lot of single mothers bringing up um, disabled children, uh, children with disabilities, and, um, and some hardly ever get to leave the house. And if it's a physical disability in particular, schooling is virtually out of the question because the schools are really few and far between, sometimes up to 10 kilometers away. Um, there, there, there's no roads or routeways like you'd expect over here. They're muddy paths and uh, because of the, the, the heavy droughts, um, they're, they're quite often break up and they're impassable. Although when there's floods, they're totally flooded out. And um, so consequently there's, uh, People rely on family support or neighborhoods or charitable support, if you like, to survive. And um, so initially what, what happened, we, we helped them. Uh, we, we, we partnered up with local disabled people's organizations, who of course he made up of mostly disabled people themselves, who, um, who we, 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 the first thing we did was we realized that there's very, because this is very, quite far away from major cities, uh, major towns, that there's very little um, um, uh, mobility aids available. So we sent over a few a container of mobility aids, just as a, an introduction to say, hey, listen, you know, like, let's, um, let's get you out of the house, at least get you in a wheelchair so you can take your kids to school or you know, there's a walking stick or some crutches or a walking frame or hearing, hearing equipment or, 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 you know, a white stick even for people who, who sight impairments. And anyway, that's, um, 
They were successful and it's created a relationship which is built up over the time. Anyway, Fersha, meaning opportunity in Swahili, is um, an initiative to help, help the disabled communities there, the people, disabled people and their families, to create their own little sustainable enterprises as a means of uh, being able to you know, create, some, create some sort of sustainability in their lives. And um, it said that we, we got going, um, we got joint funding actually from the Welsh government's Wales and Africa um, programme, which is amazing because I'm based here in Walton, Newport, and um, in South Wales. And um, it was, we said, we had this amazing uh, um, uh, pilot we ran, and the pilot we ran it for about a year, uh, where we trained initially three groups of disabled people and their families, and they were all together at those groups. There was about 60, 65 members all together as people. And so there were like three cooperatives, if you like. Um, we provided guidance and um, advice and, and steering, if you like, to how to go about um, trading, to do it legitimately, to bring, to, to keep accurate records and uh, to handle money, et cetera, et cetera. And um, advice on if, if somebody's got any particular interests or if they grow fruit and vegetables in their, around their dwellings, you know, how they can actually turn that, use that commercially to provide, uh, to provide fruit and vegetables and to local market store to stalls, have a, open up a market store themselves or, um, deliver water, because water you have to buy in from, uh, water gets shipped in there and they have central water places which sell it. Now, how to be able to um, purchase water and distribute it or just generally trade. And um, anyway, um, that, the, 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 the part that just finished when the uh, uh, international COVID pandemic spread across the world and um, Amazingly, and this is this is it's a you know I'm I'm really pr proud of this, and I'm sure Vaughan is, and then everybody else is, and they are over there. It's, you know like our partners because we work as a team. You know we're we're no one's no one's better or worse than anybody else. We're all in it together. Um, the the the, uh, the 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 some of the groups over there were manufacturing face masks. Others were manufacturing liquid soap, some are manufacturing uh, candles, because there's no, it's off the power grid, so there's no power. And the people um, who are growing fruit and vegetables were harvesting, and they're farming the land, and some are raising sheep, we've got goats and, and cows. And um, we, we got some funding, and we, we bought a couple of motorbikes, because the roads aren't passable by conventional cars, you need a really sophisticated four-wheel drive. And even they're no good if the roads are collapsing sometimes. So you either walk or you need a, an, an adapted motorcycle. Anyway, we bought a couple of nice motorbikes, had them all adapted. And um, with our partners, we started distributing food, water, um, and other basic provisions. And we were buying in some, some basic vegetables, basic food stuff as well. Some, some grains and started distributing it, not only to, to, to fellow disabled people and their families, but across the whole region. 
And it was, uh, and it really broke down barriers because all of a sudden, people with looking down on disabled people were thinking they're whatever, and they weren't included in society. All of a sudden, the disabled people were doing something to help everybody. And overnight, well, over, over that period of a, of a year, we were running that, um, that um, emergency mission. You know, things really changed. Um, people's, um, um, their, their stigmas got kicked, down, kicked into touch. And um, people learned about their capabilities and what they can do. And um, then we got some more funding and we actually digitized it. We sent out mobile phones and uh, solar battery chargers, and um, uh, we, 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 we paid for internet uh, satellite access so, to train people, taught people how to use them, what, what they could do with them. And now you must excuse me, because any second now, my wife's coming in with some shopping and the dog is going to go mad. So in, in the background, that's my wife in the background walking in the dog because she's been out shopping. Um, so um, some real life sound effects going on here. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's, um, that was very positive. Um, so we got, the, we got some more funding. We, we, got the, we, we digitized the communities and everything was everything going. Hang on a second. Hey, Gabby. Hi, I'm in a live podcast here. So, uh, um, that's all right, don't worry. Some real life happening right there. Real life, there's some real life happening. We're in the real world here. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the, 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 um, there's a whole new issue come about this, because now these little enterprises are doing really well. Um, not all of them are making huge amounts of money, but um, it's going well. But we did something amazingly because from this funding, right, certain amounts of this money, especially in the emergency uh, COVID thing, had to be spent in Wales. And that money was going to be spent in Wales. I was going to be going out to schools and colleges and making presentations. And of course, I couldn't because of the lockdown. And there was a thousand quid left in the, in the kitty. And which technically I had to give back, so I to the Welsh government, and so I I, I appealed, not appealed. I I said, please, I think this money is needed in Kenya more than what we need it here because I can't spend it here. And they gave me written permission. I thought, bingo, and did something a little bit different with it. I turned it into micro loans, and these micro loans were between. Uh, how much was it at the time? 500 and 5,000 shillings. And with the exchange rate at that time, that was um, £3.45 or £34.50, which might not seem much to you and I, but it's an awful lot to people who haven't got anything. And normally the only other way, means of uh, people in that area of, uh, of getting any credit or borrowing any money would be from money lenders and yeah that creates all sorts of problems which i won't go into and because they've got no income they can't pay it back anyway so there's all sorts of horrors happening up there and anyway we we, we um initially we'll be using our partner organizations to manage the distribution of the loans to the, to the groups and the members 
and it was okay. But then we did something really amazing. We gave ownership of the loans to the actual Fersha groups themselves, for, to, to, and the Fersha groups are cooperatives. And bingo, it worked. It worked. People all of a sudden had access to money they never had before. They knew how to use it and what to do with it. And they would only get be able to borrow money if they if it was for the use of their to develop their little enterprises. And um, okay, they pay interest on the on the money, but the interest is probably of only about 10% of what they pay a money lender. Um, not even that. And um, it's worked. It's it's opened up the whole thing. And, that a lot of these enterprises are doing really, really well. Now, I would say 70%, excuse me, I'll have a drink of water. I would say 70% of the Fersha group members uh, farm the land. Uh, they either, they either um, grow, grow uh, crops and uh, grains, or they have um, a few goats or chickens. Chickens are very popular there. And um, or, or, or cows for milk or whatever, and um, the and they started doing very well. But all of a sudden, things changed because there's a really, really serious drought in that part of the world at the moment. So we did a bit of research, and our project coordinator visited this school in a totally different area of, of Kenya where they'd actually sunk a solar powered borehole. And um, to have a look, look at, look, at, look at it. And we meet up with, it's amazing with, with modern online communications. We have online meetings, Zoom meetings, I think they're called or whatever, uh, every week or so. And she updates me and we have a look, we talk about things. And we thought, right, what, when we're around, we can do this is to sink a solar-powered borehole in the Ngulu region, because that's where water is at shortage. Um, it was short everywhere, but that's where the majority of the um, first group members who, who, who farm the land, they're based in that region. Um, so our latest thing is um, to try and sink this solar-powered borehole. So we've got a serious fundraising uh, campaign on at the moment. Um, they've got applications going for funding left, right, and centre. Um, we we're very fortunate that um, the BBC, uh, the BBC's theme this year is disability awareness. And every every um, every once a week on a news broadcast, they'll feature some um, some area of disability. And um, they 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 picked up on this. They heard about us. And last week, or not last week, it was not last Friday, the Friday before, um, on BBC Wales TV and BBC Radio, um, we had a, an, I had an interview on the radio and a little broadcast on the, on the little uh, feature on the, um, on the TV. And there was footage of films from some of the first group members uh, on there as well and interviews. And... Um, which has created a bit of interest, and which uh, all can be um, heard on the website. I think the, um, the the BBC radio interviews on the index page on the home page, and I believe the BBC films on the films and video page, where also the other film I was talking about before is. So 
Yeah, that's that's that sums up responsibility assistance. But we've also assisted. We've done lots of stuff, and I could talk for hours and hours and hours about this. It's really my greatest passion. Um, but, I mean, that's 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 really great. I mean, that this is the first sentence I've had out so far. You've you've, you've um, done a great job of filling up the airways. It's brilliant. You can talk for hours, obviously, about this. What I'm what I'm also interested in, though, is I mean, that's great work that you're doing down there, and I'm would like to go back in time a little bit and ask you a question so you are yourself a disabled person you are a wheelchair user and you do this work down in Africa so what why do you do the work in Africa what started the whole thing off right we don't only work in Africa we we help people with disabilities in in, uh, in dangerous or disastrous situations all over the world the very first thing we did was uh, in um, Kashmir um, I think I was back in 2006, I think. Kashmir in India. Um, Kashmir, yeah. There was a serious earthquake. And uh, we got some, some, one of the, I'd run a business as well. And at the time, my business was, um, um, I was, I, I set up one of the very first e-commerce websites in Wales. And, I was I was trading in wheelchair accessories, uh, GL100 wheelchair accessories, and I had a brand name called Global Global Leather, and I designed some specialist wheelchair gloves because my background is um, is it, it sounds good, doesn't it? I'm a, I'm a ladies handbag designer. My background is in fashion design. Okay. I've worked all over the all over the world in in um, um, designing. Um, fashion accessories and um, mainly in leather um, but I, I um, and I, I, I and I used to do also lots of voluntary work as well for an organization called the British Executive Service Overseas uh, they don't exist in that same format anymore and um, I, I think I've done nine assignments with them I did Trinidad, Thailand, Turkey, Mauritius, Zimbabwe um Mongolia, India a few times. So over the years, they usually three month assignments at a time. Um so, and I, I used to advise people who are setting up uh, um in 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 the manufacturing and the uh, fashion accessories and, and handbags and things to set up little production units for sustainable um um economics to the to and, and employment of people. Um, I, I in, in, two, in 1994, I was diagnosed with MS, um, and um, then unfortunately, I, in, in I think it was in 1990s. So MS is MS is multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis. That's right. Then in it's the same the same as me. That's what I was diagnosed with. I was diagnosed in 93. In fact. Oh right. Well, you beat me to it. Although yeah, they yeah. suspected I'd had it since 1974, and I'm right. glad they never told me I had it. Because um, you know, I, 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 um, I was having symptoms because I'd done an awful lot of time between then. I wouldn't have done perhaps the things I did in the manner in the, in the, in the manner in which I did them if I'd have known. But um, I got diagnosed in '94. Then in I think it was '95 or '96, '1996 or '97. I can't remember which. It's the times go funny. Um, I I, um, I I got I got so fed up with the local authorities who were dealing my who's 
responsible for my welfare, treating me like I was some sort of sufferer or victim. Uh, that I contacted the British Executive Service overseas, who I hadn't done a voluntary assignment for for about six years before then. And I said, listen, you know, like, you know, you know me and you know what, what I do, and, but I, I told them my situation. I said, can you find me an assignment somewhere in the world where, so I can go and test my capabilities? And uh, because I, I wanted, I was being, I was being suppressed, if you like, by the social care I was being offered, you know, by treating, being treated like I was some sort of sufferer or victim, that I, was, I had no hope. And that's the mindset I, at the time that I was being suppressed into. Um, yeah. but my mobility was a little bit suspect. And um, anyway, they, uh, two weeks later, the, the chief executive called me back and he called me up at I think it was about half past seven in the morning. And I couldn't go upstairs when really. I was on the settee. And he rang me up and um, I never forget the conversation. I, I picked up the phone. So I thought, who's, who's this calling me? I went, yeah. And he said, ah, hello, Bellows here. He was at the time the, man, the, the chief executive of, um, of BISO. And he says, how does Mongolia sound? I said, perfect. Uh, but I don't want to swear on your podcast, I'm afraid. But a word, a word beginning with F came up. And I, I was so happy. I said, wow, when can I go? So at the time all the paperwork got sorted out and everything else, and I had to get myself like mentally and physically sort of like ready to be able to do it. Uh, it wasn't a three month assignment, it was only a six week assignment. And it, because Mongolia had recently, um, the Soviets had only, it was only a couple of years beforehand, they'd pulled out of Mongolia. And um, they, there was a, a big tannery in uh, Ulaanbaatar, and this tannery had been bought out with tokens, which the way they, the way they distributed the industry amongst the, the, the communities in Mongolia was anybody who had like business degrees, university degrees or skills in a particular area, went into specialist business. They put in bids to take over certain state, previously state-owned businesses. And these two guys that, um, they were pretty clued up on various aspects in the leather industry. And I one of them actually got a degree in, uh, in, uh, in the USA in, in, in some business degree. They, with their tokens, they got control of this fantastic, the only leather tannery in Ulaanbaatar, which had a proper working effluence system. And um, they wanted to add value to their, to their Telling the leather by you by manufacturing products from the leather. And they wanted to make handbags, they wanted to make leather goods, they wanted to make uh, do quite a few other things, which I, which was right up my street. And they sounded like cool people. So I went over there for six weeks. Um Wait, that's uh, quite amazing. So when you have to go back in the conversation, so when you got the telephone call, you're on the, you said you're on the sofa. Yeah. Did you say that you couldn't go upstairs at that time? No way. <laughs> no, I wanted to test my capability. I wanted to see what I was capable of. Um, so you, but, you, but you couldn't go upstairs in your own house? No. Uh, and I was, I was relegated to sleeping on the sofa because I, 
Uh, well, I probably could go up, but I'd have to crawl up. And so that's amazing then to think, well, what I'll do, therefore, is I'll get on an aeroplane and go to Mongolia, which famously is like the place you were describing in Africa in that there's not yeah, a great it, deal of infrastructure. It's the best thing I ever did in my life. But, right, it was for six weeks. It was a very successful assi- assignment. But while I was there, there was a big international leather conference, which I had in the main uh, Mongolian um, community hall where international companies and people came in and they had some guest speakers and because I was over there I was invited to attend and I was actually supposed to be there I think started at 10 o'clock in the morning it's an all-day conference but I didn't turn up to about 11 30 because it wasn't you know for me to jump out of bed first thing and run here and run there you know I had to sort of like work my way around that and I got in there at 11 and when I walked in there was this guy on the stage the speaker and I, I, I thought that's a familiar voice, and I looked up at him, and there was this guy called Al Kahir. Now Al Kahir was a specialist leather consultant and design consultant, um, who I last met in a, about ten years previously in a dingy bar in Hong Kong, probably because we're all in the same trade, and uh, and he saw me straight away, and he actually stopped. He said, "Trevor Palmer." And we, and we waved at each other. He said, wait, I'm going to speak to you afterwards. So anyway, I listened to his talking, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, afterwards, then he got clapped off the stage by all these delegates who were there. He came up to me and he said, right, in the bar. And we went up to the bar and he said, I need you. I want you urgently. He said, I've got a project in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. And... Um, it's, the, for the, it's, it's a contract with the Ethiopian Department of Trade and Industry. Um, we're working with their, with their state, um, with the Ethiopian Leather Association to set up little um, enterprises to, to train people how to set their own businesses up in making things with leather. Uh, because Ethiopia at that time had just come through a big serious drought and I think we all know what's been going on there. And they wanted, the Ethiopian government wanted to get, get people in, in, into employment. And he said, I want you. He said, I've got a two year, it's a two year contract. He said, um, yeah, I want you to do the, 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 uh, the, the handbag design, the business startup courses, and the cutting and costing courses. I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. But I said, look, I, I can only do six weeks at a time and I've got to have three months off in between each uh, thing. Because you see, I've been, I've, been a very, I've been in a very fortunate position because I had quite a reputation worldwide for doing this sort of work um, uh, that, that, that I'd be offered these situations in the first place. And... Um, Anyway, I said, look, it's got to be six weeks at a time. I want three months off in between. Um, and that's, you've got to, I want to be back in the UK. Um, you know, amazingly, he agreed. He shook my hand there and then. And um, so after my six weeks in um, Addis Ababa and then Nolan Batar uh, in, in Mongolia, I came back to the UK, came back to Wales, spent three months preparing myself mentally and everything else to go out to do to do six weeks in Addis Ababa. And um, 
which, uh, which was brilliant. And I had to get uh, to prepare myself, uh, uh, you know, the equipment, because if I was setting up, and if the initial thing I did was to do a um, business, business startup training course, and I had 15 students. And these 15 students, I'd be taking through the whole of the two years. So I'd be doing, first of all, the business startup. Then I'd be going through the um, uh, product, uh, um, product design. And then I'd be going through the, so all the aspects. So at the end of the course, they would be able to get some funding uh, to be able to set up their own little businesses and start creating employment to lift Ethiopia up again. In, 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 in that sector. Um, and that was, that was excellent. So three months later, then I was off again over to Ethiopia and I arrived there and I got picked up from the airport taking this beautiful um, state-run hotel right in the middle of this government-run hotel, right in the middle of town. It was absolutely beautiful place. And I met the rest of the team. I was looking after the leather article side of it. Um, there was a French man and his wife who were doing the leather, leather, leather garment side of it, leather clothing and all the fashions, that side of it, um, the leather garments. And um, we were stayed in this hotel, the Guillaume Hotel, it was called. And Elka here was there um, because it turned out that it wasn't a simple thing because at the time it was a European funded thing. And that contract went to one company who subcontracted it to Elka here, who subcontracted to you to myself and um, and these French couple to to actually deliver. Um, so what was probably a, a contract worth an awful lot of money was to the end dwindled to the pennies we were earning. But it was fun, and I wanted to do it, and I just needed to get. I did need, I, I tested myself and that, 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 that beat so assignment I did in Mongolia, that I was capable, I could do these things mentally and with the right support, I could do things physically. And um, anyway, we, we, on the second night we're in this hotel, we decided we'd all go out together, get to know each other a bit better. We're meeting the hotel bar, we're all staying in the same hotel. Um, we're meeting the hotel bar uh, and then we'd all go out to eat and, uh, you know, just to get to know each other a little bit better, um, which was brilliant. We got in the bar, but it, it was Africa finals night, which is um, Africa finals for the football, African nations final. And the bar was packed because they had a big television there. So we had to squeeze in and when they squeezed us in, it wasn't the most comfortable place. We were right by this big pillar right the other side of the of the um of the cashier um but we were nice and it was nice and we had a few beers you know we were drinking beers and now i'd actually packed up smoking when i got diagnosed with ms i'd actually packed up smoking i thought well you know like, i've got to try and look after myself a little bit better so i hadn't smoked for about six months uh, well a year but for about a year and a half two years whatever it was that to that time um, but the, we were all drinking lots of beers and the, the Turkish guy, Elke here, and the, the two French ones, well, they were chain smoking and it's a really tight place and we were drinking loads of beer and they kept offering me, offering me cigarettes and we were laughing and talking. The conversation's in French as well. So that means I had to sort of like pay extra attention. And um, anyway, in the end, 
David did offer me a cigarette. I thought, sod it, I've got to have a cigarette because, you know, like I'm, I'm breathing it in anyway. I may as, well, may as well have one. So I leant forward, I took the cigarette out of the box and I had it in my hand and the French lady, she held her lighter out. I leant forward to light it. I never got that, that cigarette, never got lit because just the other side of the pillar, I told you there was a big support pillar, just the other side of it, there was a cashier. Some um, Islamic terrorists brought in a, crisp, a birthday cake to deliver to the um, uh, cashier, but inside of it, there was a landmine. And um, they, so they left it there and they disappeared. And they, the, when as soon as they're out the hotel grounds, you know, they set this thing off and the whole place blew up. Wow. Now, the, I was really lucky because all those people around me, except for me, my friends, there was five other people in our close vicinity all got killed. Wow. It was absolutely, and um, I got blown out of my chair. I was on the floor and I couldn't, you know, it's difficult for me to get up. There was people, debris, fire and everything around me. Um, anyway, I don't know why. Yeah, it must be the adrenaline. I got up and I was, lit, the, because this, the hotel had a big plate glass window in the front of it and that got blown out. It took the force of the blast out because if that wasn't there, it would be, we'd, we'd all die probably. Because I've, I've got continuous tinnitus that blew my ears to bits. Right. So if I talk loud, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I need to have sound around me all the time, which is probably why I'm gobbling away all the time, you know, because I, I, if I don't have any sound, I've got like this, ee, so I have to I have music on when I'm working. I have the TV on all night or music on all night. I have radios in every room um, because if not, the sound is really dead. And I've had all sorts of treatment to cure it, but it doesn't work. And if you if you listen to that sound, it's it it it, it mentally it can be a bit uh, awkward. So, uh, but that but in a, you know like that was a that was a uh, I've been through quite a few bizarre events in my life. I think that it sounds was... like it. It sounds like your life has been an incredible thing. I'm I'm quite interested in in um, the nuts and bolts of it all. So if you're doing things like going to places like Ethiopia or India or Africa, wherever it might be, as a you're a wheelchair user, you said you've been a wheelchair user for a while now. Yeah. How, how does that work out? Does it work out for you? I know there's a for yeah. example there's a campaign running at the moment. There's a national campaign running at some. BBC reporter called Sophie Morgan, who's running a campaign about wheelchair access for flights, because every now and again, a disabled person famously will arrive at their destination, their wheelchair won't be there, it'll be somewhere completely different. I mean, do you have things you must well, have I'm a full time wheelchair user. I, I use a big electric wheelchair, uh, yeah. which would be a real problem on a flight. Um, I haven't, the last flight I went on with, with a wheelchair was to India, um, no, no, to it, hang on, to Italy. Um, and uh, that was probably about 20 years ago. Um, I, I haven't traveled abroad for the last 20 years. It's, 
it's in, it's too difficult for me. And okay. now I need a lot of support. My life is I have two carers come two hours every morning. They have to they have to get me sorted out, hoist me out of bed. I need a bit of quite a lot of personal care. Um, then I get um, hoisted either into a shower chair and into the shower or. On, so um, you don't you don't fly so you, like you said earlier you do it all over zoom and everything then so you're in contact with the rest of the world through zoom yeah through zoom and it's amazing how, how, how this modern technology has opened up the world for disabled people absolutely uh, and also i don't agree with flying everywhere now because i think it's, it's wrecking the environment you know that when you think that uh, when you see what's going on in this world yeah uh, climatically and uh, you still see people walking over to Benidorm for a weekend and then they buy an electric car and they, they, they think, oh, they're doing good. And that one flight to Benidorm and back is, is doing more damage than uh, 10 years worth of use of a, of a, of a conventional diesel, diesel car. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not happy, comfortable with it. Um, so, um, I don't have a problem with not being able to fly anymore, but I'd love to be able to fly if I could. Um, I actually used to be, I actually used to have a pilot's license because I used to fly light aircraft years ago. And I um, now in the big heavy electric wheelchair, there's nowhere I get into a light aircraft. Yeah. And um, there's, there's nowhere in a million years, you know, the, 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 because for me to travel, if I travel now, even here in Wales, if I went go and stay in a hotel 10 miles away, I had to bring a team. I have a circus. I have, um, I had to have, first of all, uh, um, I can't drive anymore because uh, this side of my arms and legs don't work. And, and I don't really feel comfortable driving from um, my wheelchair with a, with a joystick because I've got no feelings left in my fingers and uh, things like that. So I have to have a PA drive me around places. So I have a converted van where my wheelchair goes in the back and it gets strapped in. So I need to have a driver or PA. Then I need to have um, um, the PA would have to look after my personal care during the day. Then to go to bed, I'd have to have a, a mobile hoist. I'd have to have two carers. Um, and when you rely on other people all the time and things, it gets very costly and, um, I, I, I tend not to sort of like venture out the front door too much these days. I mean, the whole thing is quite incredible then. So your story is, is, is astounding, I would say. So you've set up all this stuff in Africa and you do all this work around the world, but you do it literally from your, from your own house and from your own front room. Yeah, I, I run a business as well. So I'm, I employ disabled people. When we're, I say I employ. We're all disabled people. There's only four of us there. We do all sorts of access-related work. Right. Um, various things in around Wales, and I'm a director of Disability Wales, and uh, I know we 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 do lots of. For the moment, we're doing some work for the National Trust, and we're doing some access surveys, and I do private access work for. I think I actually audited the Welsh Audit Office or Audit Wales, their new wow. offices in, in Cardiff recently, and uh, last week I did an audit on. Um, I'm the headquarters of the Wales Council for Deaf People. That, got, that reminds me, I've got to write that report up. So that's what I'm, so I'm very interested in this. So I did a PhD and I did it a while ago now. So anyway, but one of the things that I'm very interested in is how come 
this is your state of mind and this is your the way that you run your life and you run run what you do because i know a lot of disabled people so i have ms and i know a lot of people with ms when they had the diagnosis i mean you said that you were glad, glad you didn't get it when when you first had the symptoms because it would have completely disrupted your entire life but i know a lot of people who get a diagnosis of ms and then kind of that's it that's let's it's enough to get on with running my own life and doing all this activity and doing all the stuff that I've got to do just to get out of bed have a day and get back into bed again but you're running projects across the world you're running businesses how how is that how Listen, what, we're, we're all different no two people are the same no I might I might be the I might be the the, the wrong one because I might be doing damaging myself to a point where someone dad is go dumb but um I I I I'm not going to limit my potential because of a, a, a medical condition. And yeah. if, I, if I've got like a, you know, like I, I don't want to go into details. I, I need a lot of personal care. I, I, yeah, I mean, we don't need to know all the details yeah. of personal care and, and all I, that. But I, I, don't, I, I don't worry about that. I've got a, I'm a full-time wheelchair user. I look at it this way. I'm always sitting down. I can go anywhere I want when I want. Um, providing the weather's good and there's a there's a there's ramps to get in and out of buildings and um, and the drop curves so I can cross roads. You know I don't have any limitations. Um, and I like adventure. I love adventure and I love people. Uh, my you know one thing I've learned during all my life is I like I'm a community sort of communicative sort of guy, and I love people. I like talking to people, and I like making things happen. Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't like the negative. I'm a positive guy. If I go to a place where the people don't feel now moaning, complaining about their ailments, I'll leave. Yeah. I want to hear, I want to hear positives. I mean, I saw a comedian once and they said, um, you know, there's a, the old, old question is, you know, is your glass half full or your glass half empty? And this person said, well, for me, not only is the glass half full, but there's also a very attractive person bringing over a refill for the rest of my glass. So you you seem to have that kind of attitude yeah, where right. things things are possible rather than things are impossible. Yeah. Well, I think it was about twenty years ago. Hmm. Is it twenty years ago? About about nineteen years ago, I, I was actually a guest speaker at Disability Cornwall's annual conference. Okay. Uh, I think I, uh, I can't remember the, the town it was in, a St. Elstor or something. No, it's St. Austell, yeah. Yeah, St. Austell, is it? Um, yeah. And, um, and I met your chief executive, a fantastic lady, who I have a deal of time and respect for. In fact, I, I, when you, I like meeting people. And um, throughout your life, you meet people, and there's only few who you feel, hey, you say, hey, they're cool, they're right on. And the old chief executive is, is one of those. And uh, they don't tell her because her head might swell. And, well, she might, she, you know, this is a Disability Cornwall podcast, so she might actually have access to and see it. So. Oh, dear, that, in that case, Jane, then the survivor. No, there's, um, no, there's um, you know, like there's, there's, there's people you meet throughout, the, throughout your life. And, you know, I, have, I, I don't have many friends locally. Oh, I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not into the day-to-day chit-chat and the price of potatoes. I, I, I have, but I have friends. I have a lot of friends. Uh, that they're all over the world, and we communicate 
um, might not see each other for only once a year or once a month or once every five years, but we have common themes and, uh, and, it, and it's brilliant. And I'm also, I like to get involved in a lot of stuff. I've, I've been involved in some fantastic projects here in Wales. One of the most exciting ones, and that's been going on for about the last five years, a project called DEEP, Developing Evidence-Enriched pra um, um, Practice um, in Social Care. Because social care is something I'm really passionate about because um, that, that can, I like independence. I, I, I live an independent life because I've got the right support around me. And yeah. I'm capable of creating that support. But, you know, I might be only a small percentage of the population who's, who, who's got that network together to be able to make it work and, and got the, yeah, to, 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 be, to be able to achieve that. Now, social care, now, I'm, when I'm the social care I get supported by from my local authority. I never pull any strings. I like to sit back and see what's delivered because it gives me an idea of what's happening. Yeah. And um, I'm appalled. I'm really appalled. So uh, DEEP is this project run by, it's a research project. It's been set up by initially by um, Swansea University. And it's been um, running throughout Wales um, with other academic, it's all full of academics, which I'm not, by the way. Um, I think I got expelled for every school I went to. Um, the the but the the my lived experience is such where I can feed in, and again because I'm able to communicate and communicate with others to gather evidence, I can feed in some very positive things. And um, and uh, yeah, that, that deep project has been absolutely amazing. Um, and the um, and I do I do most of my things voluntarily, by the way. If, if, and my I don't work for therapy. I work for therapeutic gain rather than financial gain, because um, for me, the privilege of I, I would if I won the lottery, I would pay to do what I do. You know, that's my that keeps me alive. I'm 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 doing the best thing in the world for my for myself, and um, you know that, that I, I feel honored and privileged I'm able to be able to do it um, and I think anybody should be with social care you should have the support as a disabled person to be as independent as possible and um, that's why um, that's why I'm, I'm passionate about um, trying to improve things in fact I've been invited to um, I put a suggestion there's actually that deep um, deep this DWEP um, and developing evidence-enriched practice um, in social care, well, in social care. Um, initially, that was funded by the Welsh Government, the research, and the, I think it's Big Lottery, one of those big, one of those things. Um, now that, that it's been so successful, our findings, that social care wells are gonna be funding it now and using some of those findings to, to influence their policies to deliver social care throughout Wales. Now that makes me feel good. That is things I mean, that that's great, isn't it? So actually, worth for, you know. Yeah, that's absolutely great. So it's like, it's led by the people who are using it. So it's, 
you know, the same as disabled people's organisations are led by disabled people, the ones exactly. that you are, the ones you're setting up all over the place and all around the world. Mm. Um, I was very interested when you were talking about disabled people's organisations in Africa. So uh, is there a great number of them down there in Africa? No. I don't know. I've got no idea. No, but there's a, there's a, there's a but um, I'm involved also in another really exciting project. Um, now, I'm on the management committee of, a, of an organization called Disability in Wales and Africa. W uh, we've only got about two or three minutes left. Um, we've got a, we've got a, a bit of funding. We, um, we're doing a, a WhatsApp group um, with Pan-African countries for disabled people in, in Wales and Africa to communicate and talk about things. And... To say DPOs is one of the main things, which is the, the main central subject. And uh, well, you know the importance of a DPO. Yeah. And um, I do. And I think lots of other people do. And we've all got to support each other. But we're no, we're no different from everybody else. I don't think because I'm disabled, I'm different from you. I'm the same. Um, we're all the same. We're all human beings. Yeah. That's what's important. We mustn't lose that perspective. So it's been an absolutely um, an eye opener talking to you and it's been really fascinating and I know that we could go on for hours and hours and days and days and perhaps we'll do another one another time. I hope so. Yeah. It would be my pleasure. I wish you well for your um, fundraising this weekend. Apparently, well, what's happening down here is it's going to be really horrible weather tomorrow, Saturday, but it's going to go through by Sunday. Well, half an hour before this conversation, I had a phone call from Newport Cricket Club now, this year's summer, uh, summer fundraising event, we have a big summer fair. Um, we, all, we have community stalls for all local community groups. We have a prize raffle, bouncy castle, barbecue yeah. bar. We've sold thousands of raffles, oh, hundreds of raffles, many hundreds of raffle tickets. We've got, uh, I've been doing it on social media. We've, we've been, we're expecting probably a thousand people to turn up. They rang me up because of the rain forecasted They've had to cancel the whole thing because they can't afford for their their pitches and their, their area to get to. So it gets really wet. It'll just get mushed up. Yeah. And uh, so I've got to deal with all that now, sorting that out. So, uh, yeah, that's my next. And I've got another meeting starting in half an hour. So I've got to do that between now and then. So, uh, yeah. Well, I wish you well. Trevor Palmer, yeah. it's been a joy speaking to you. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much.